tonight. Uh, we continue our sermon series, Pray Like Paul. Uh, this is uh, the final uh, week uh, in our series uh, on prayer, uh, which marks the end of the summer for us. Uh, and it's the final part of our focus on these different examples of prayer from the Apostle Paul. Um, and as we think back to all we've looked at in the last couple of months, uh, I hope this series has been a, a blessing to you, as it's been a blessing to me. And particularly as we've spent time digging into what it looks like to follow in the footsteps of Paul and how he prays. Uh, tonight, the title for our message is Pray Like Paul With and To God. So pray like Paul with, with God and to God. God is the one who empowers our prayers and God is the one that we pray to as well. Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Timothy 2 and verses 1 to 4. And we're going to take some time to examine what it is God says through his word as Paul seeks to encourage Timothy. And I'm reading from the CSB, Christian Standard Bible, and the words are going to be up on the screen as well. So Paul writes his words to his son in the faith, uh, Timothy. He says, First of all, then, I urge that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for everyone, for kings and all those who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good, and it pleases God our Saviour, who wants everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Amen. Let's just take a moment to pray again. So, Father, we, we recognise that, that you are God and we are not, and, and we need your grace tonight. We need you to, to pour out your wisdom into our hearts and minds through your word and in the power of the Holy Spirit. Would you speak to us, Lord, and may we also respond with a desire to love you, as we've just sang, and a desire to obey you with all that we are. We commit this time to you, Lord. We pray that you would minister to us. Lord, we recognize that the preaching of your word is a sacred, sacred act, and, and we want to, to honor this time. We want to honor you in this time, and we pray that you guide us in every possible way. And it's in your name we ask this. Amen. So I wonder, uh, when you pray, when you pray, uh, what is your focus? What's your focus? What do you look towards? Uh, our hearts and our minds are always drawn towards something when we pray. Uh, so what is it that you find yourself fixing your eyes upon during those times uh, of prayer? Uh, this focus might be intentional. It might be accidental. Your focus might be a blend of a whole host of different things that are going on within your life. What is it that you gaze your eyes upon when you pray. Um, so often our hearts are focused on ourselves. Uh, this has the effect of either inhibiting our prayer life or making our prayers ineffective and lacking power because the person that looks inwards has no time to look upwards and to receive all the grace that God would give them. On other occasions, is it not the case for each one of us that you find yourself fixated on your circumstances in the midst of your prayer time? The situations and the occasions of our lives can become so dominant, so overwhelming, even oppressive, that they often become the narrative that we live under, determining how it is that we live and how it is that we pray. Uh, perhaps tonight, as you think about your life, and particularly as you take a sober look at your life, uh, you realise that the focus of your heart uh, can often be one where you have a sense of fulfilling a tradition. So you pray almost in a, a traditional sense. Um, and you're doing it just to fill or fulfill this obligation within your life. You feel you ought to pray. You have 
prayed in the past, others around you pray, therefore you decide to pray out of a, this is what I have always done kind of mentality. You pray not because it's, it's something that you long to do, maybe a part of you wants to do it, but instead it's something that you feel obligated to do. Finally, perhaps your focus in prayer is on a particular hope or dream, something that you long to see become reality in your life. And this hope or dream can become so much of your focus in your life and in your prayers that what God wants you to focus on eventually becomes relegated or even neglected. So let's be honest tonight. It's very easy for us to focus on anything apart from God in prayer. Um, I want us tonight to recognize you will not naturally fall into a healthy prayer life. It's not just something that we do within ourselves. It takes conscious effort, determination, love, a dependent heart upon the Spirit of God to let God enable you and to let God lead you into that place of faithful and fruitful prayer for Him. And I say that fully aware of prayer within my own life. Um, I would love to be able to stand here tonight and tell you I've mastered prayer this week. Prayer has been 100%. Uh, but I've had this perfect pattern of prayer in my life, but I can't do that. I've been distracted. I've fallen short. I've been unbelieving. I've had moments where I've loved the things of this world more than I've loved God. And yet at the same time, as I think back to that, that last week, I also recognize that this is not going to define who I am as a person. Who Mark Morris is is not based on how successful or unsuccessful he has been in prayer. And it's the same for every single one of us tonight. God's grace is always enough, even when we mess up and fall short, including in our prayer times. Uh, And to know that Jesus loves us no matter what we do or do not do should bring great encouragement to our hearts and it should aid us in deciding whether or not we should pray. So we don't look at how well we've performed when it comes to prayer and we decide based on that information whether or not we will pray. We rest in the fact that God's grace is enough and that he will always forgive us. And so 1 John 2, 1-2 to is a real encouragement for us as we think about our prayer lives and the words will be up on the screen for us tonight. Uh, John says this, My little children, I am writing you these things so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He himself is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for those of the whole world. So let's think about prayer tonight, and let's think about the fact that Jesus is your actual advocate. He's your advocate, and he is your advocate because he has died for all of your sin, past, present, and future. Therefore, what a privilege you have to come before God the Father. He will welcome you with open arms ready to receive you as you are, all because of his son and all because of what he has done for you on your behalf. So we come to prayer on the basis of that historical reality and that spiritual reality. So this is prayer. It's not not polishing ourselves up before we say, dear Lord. Instead, it's coming to God just as we are. We come with our brokenness and our mess and our worries and we recognize We have fallen short. We come to God like this, recognizing that it's only this kind of heart that God can work with. 
one that is fully aware of its own sin and one that recognises the absolute need for God, knowing that he will promise, he will forgive us, and he will transform us. So, again, I just come back to this question tonight. What are you looking at when you pray? What are you looking at when you pray? I hope you're looking at Jesus. And I hope you're fixing your eyes on the incredible and life-changing work that he has done for us through his death and resurrection. And I hope we can all take hold tonight of his words from Hebrews. In Hebrews 12, 1-2, the writer to the Hebrews says, Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And what great words these are for us tonight. Um, if you want to know how to pray, then do this. Fix your eyes on Jesus. The one who initiated your faith, he's the source of your faith. And the one who continues to transform and renew you. And your faith, day by day, renewal, transformation, and the power of the Holy Spirit until that day that you will be perfect in Christ in eternity. Uh, David prayed something similar to God as he came to this realization that his heart had to be fixed steadfastly on the Lord. So in Psalm 63 and 1 to 2, we read David's heart cry. He says this, God, you are my God. I eagerly seek you. I thirst for you. My body faints for you in a land that is dry, desolate, and without water. So I gaze on you in the sanctuary to see your strength and your glory. So to be in that place where you say, God, I just want you. More than anything that this world has to offer, I want you. God, I look to you. We just sang it tonight. So I come into your presence and I gaze on you. I gaze on your strength and I gaze on your glory. When was the last time you prayed like that? When was the last time you prayed like that? Have you ever prayed like that? You know, I mentioned this psalm of David and the passage in Hebrews and these words of John because tonight the Apostle Paul in our passage echoes something similar in his words to Timothy around this subject of prayer. Um, in the midst of all that's going on in the lives of Paul and Timothy, these guys had busy lives and busy ministries. All the different things they had to pray for day to day Paul brings it all back to God and he makes sure that Timothy's focus is primarily on God and the gospel. So Paul here does an example to Timothy, a prayer that he can replicate. So Paul isn't praying in this particular passage, but he does underline and teach what it is that he should pray for and why it is he should pray this in light of all that's going on within his life. So let's just take some time to unpack as we think about what it means to pray with God and to pray to God. So let's take some time to examine what it is that Paul prays, and to also examine why it is that Paul prays this. He's urging Timothy to pray in a particular way. And there's a, there's a real sense from Paul to Timothy, Timothy, you have to understand this, you have to get this. So when we come to terms with this what and why of Paul's instruction, I hope that we can learn from this example, and we can also understand what it means to pray with and to God. So let me just ask two questions tonight. 
very simple questions for us. Uh, what does Paul encourage Timothy to pray for? What does Paul encourage Timothy to pray for is the first one. Let's take a moment to look at verse 1 in the first part of verse 2 again. So Paul says this to his son in the faith, Timothy. First of all then, I urge that petitions, prayers, intercessions and thanksgivings be made for everyone, for kings and all those who are in authority. So Paul wants Timothy to pray not just for a, a small niche group, a select group of people. He wants other believers to pray for all people. So he uses this word that we often use, everyone. Pray for everyone. Paul says everyone in this passage because he understood that the heavenly call in this life was for him and others in the faith to pray for both believer and unbeliever. It wasn't just that we pray only for unbelievers or we only pray for believers. We're called to pray for both groups. And this was a word not just for Paul or for Timothy. This was a word for Timothy and the church that he was a part of and the believers that he had influence over. So Paul wanted these early believers to have this outward look and this outward focus when they prayed. So he encourages them to pray for those around them in the church and to pray for those they lived amongst within their community, both believer and non-believer. And notice that Paul says, first of all, he says, first of all, Paul wanted Timothy to understand that this there's no option with this. There's absolutely no option for each one of us. This has to be absolute priority in our lives, to be a people who pray for other people. When Paul thought about what was most important in his life, praying for others was at the very top, without question. Why else would he write to Timothy? First of all, it's just a, a biblical no-brainer. The overflow of his love for God and other people, Paul fulfilling the great command, was then manifest in regular and expectant prayer towards others. And notice, as I've highlighted already, Paul says, I urge, I urge Timothy. He uses that word because for Paul, this was of the utmost importance. This was essential to a healthy Christian life. It wasn't Paul saying, could you please do this, Timothy? Could you please encourage others to do this as well? And I sort of polite, I gently encourage you to do this, Timothy, but it's okay if you don't, kind of way. He's not doing that. No, Paul uses this word urge, and he shows just how passionate he is for Timothy and for the prayer life of Timothy as well. So to be prayerful for others, to intercede for both believer and unbeliever, that does something in you. And I think many of us can identify with that. When we take some time to pray for someone apart from ourselves, something happens. There's a recalibration. There's a reorientation of our heart towards God and towards the things of God. And it allows us to then love that person as God has called us to love them. You're no longer thinking about yourself. You're thinking about other people in light of how God thinks about them. Because the Spirit's going to be working in your prayers and giving you a godly, accurate perspective on the situations and circumstances of that person within their life. And Paul underlines to Timothy how it is that we should pray for others through, he says, petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings. And it's important we understand this isn't Paul highlighting four different ways that we pray for other people. Paul uses this phrase as an all-encompassing phrase to let Timothy understand there's nothing that we shouldn't pray for 
when it comes to praying for others, including and particularly for unbelievers. Uh, Francis Chan tells a story uh, of his outreach work uh, that his church were doing within one square mile uh, of San Francisco, uh, of this area within San Francisco. Uh, and this area that they ministered to was one of the most densely populated areas in the whole of the US and also one of the most deprived areas. And what they would do as a means of loving uh, and reaching other people is that classic Christian thing of knocking on a door uh, and asking people two questions, two very simple questions, but two important questions. How can we help you practically? People would come up with all sorts of practical needs. My light needs fixed, my toilet's blocked. Uh, I don't have enough food for the end of the week. And so they would try and meet people's needs at a practical level. And often that would then result in them coming back at another point, meeting that need. And the second question they would then ask was this. Again, very, very simple. How can we pray for you? We are this, this church within this area. How can we as a church pray for you? People would be really honest about what it is that they were going through what it is that they would like prayer for. And Chan tells a story of two, two of his team uh, knocking on this door, and this guy opened the door, and he was really honest about the fact that he wanted prayer for his dog. So he says, can you pray for my dog? I think my dog's dying. Can't afford the, the fees. Can you pray that God heals my dog? Um, so they took a note of a prayer request. They promised him that they would, as a team, pray for the dog. This went to this bigger prayer team uh, and Chan was really honest, the team had never prayed for a dog before, let alone praying that a dog would be healed. Uh, so for a few days, they were praying, God, would you just step in and bring transformation within this wee dog? Maybe they didn't say dog, but they said dog. Uh, and it was only after that time, they went back to his flat. As soon as he opened the door, they could see he was ecstatic, and he couldn't wait to tell them what had happened. The dog had done a complete 180, completely turned around. The dog was back to full health. And right there and then, this team had this amazing opportunity to say, God is interested in the details. God cares about every single aspect of your life, all of your needs, and even your wants. And they were able to take this answered prayer and use it as an opportunity to then share the gospel and the difference that Jesus can make in this guy's life. And I highlight that example, just to underline the fact, uh, there's, there's always, always, always a danger that we underestimate how it is that God might work through our prayers. And particularly when we pray for those areas in both believers and unbelievers' lives that we might regard as unimportant or minuscule, God can really speak in clear and powerful ways, in the smallest of details within a person's life. So when Paul speaks here of petitions, prayers, intercessions, thanksgiving, it's not four different kinds of prayers. He's saying, pray for everything. Give God thanks for everything in a person's life and pray, intercede for absolutely everything in a person's life as you are led by the Holy Spirit. A big part of how it is we pray for others is simply asking this question. God, how should I pray for this person? It is so important that we are led by the Spirit as we pray. And that seems so obvious for me to say that tonight. But how often do we forget that? How often do we just go into prayer 
and we go boom, 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 and just start praying for all these different things. And we don't take any time to listen to God's word or even to listen to the spirit of God in our hearts. Just like that example in San Francisco, we can also ask the person. I know this seems like this novel new idea, but we can ask people, how can I pray for you? And then we can actually follow through with that and pray. Often what is burdening a person's heart is what it is that they're going to share. And this is so often how God works. He meets a particular need. And through the intercession of others, that need is met in order to point that person to the glory of God, the grace of God, the goodness of God. So ask God how it is we can pray for other people. But we also have a responsibility. We have this opportunity to ask people, you know, how, how can I pray for you today? To pray for others in an all-encompassing way has two components. We give thanks for them and we, we give thanks for the ways in which they have been blessed and they are a blessing. And we also pray for the particular needs that they have so that they might become more and more aware of the grace of God in their life. And Paul here highlights to Timothy and the believers he's connected to. He identifies a particular group that they should pray for. So he says, for kings and all those who are in authority. For kings and all those who are in authority. Now, there's definitely an encouragement to pray for our leaders. No doubt about it from this passage. This is something that we should do in light of what God's word says here. As Paul encourages us to do here. And this is something that Paul unpacks a bit more later on within this passage but let's be honest tonight from the outside looking in what it is that Paul says here does seem slightly out of the blue pray for everyone pray for leaders why does Paul mention this group in particular out of all the groups that he could have mentioned what is it about this group those in authority those who we would regard as leaders that get special mention from Paul well in Paul's day uh, those in authority were often the biggest obstacle and the biggest enemy to the believers to the Christian faith remember this was this was who Paul was before he had this encounter with Jesus he was a leader and he was also someone who persecuted believers and having been transformed by the grace of God Paul now wants his brothers and sisters to to be people praying for those who from a fleshly perspective don't appear to deserve prayer because of how opposed they are to the things of God. And in saying this, Paul is echoing the words of Jesus in the Beatitudes, Matthew 5, 44 to 45. Jesus says this, But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be children of your Father in heaven, for he causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. And what a challenge for each one of us tonight when it comes to prayer. God's call for you and I is that we would pray for those who hurt us the most. We would pray for those who hurt us the most. Take note of this kind of prayer. This kind of prayer is as much about God changing our hearts as it is about God changing the person we're praying for. And take note, persecution is not just unbeliever to believer. At times, persecution can be from believer to believer and it's quite incredible when you think about it but some of the biggest opponents of the gospel and a life that is rooted in the kingdom of God are from those who would profess the name of Jesus 
It's quite incredible, but that is true from our experience. So we can therefore take these words that we should in no way rule out praying for anything or anyone. Our hearts must be open before God and led by God as we give thanks for and as we intercede for those in our lives, both believer and unbeliever. Let me just leave you with a couple of responses that we can consider around our prayer life. So first response for each one of us tonight, do I have a plan for both when I pray for others and who it is I pray for? Do I have a plan for both when it is I pray, when I pray for others and who it is I pray for? I would encourage you tonight, this is a first of all for Denison Baptist Church. Um, as it was for Paul to Timothy, it is for every single one of us tonight. Out of God's love for you and your love for God, prayerfully consider when it is that you should pray for others in your week and who it is you should pray for. Second response, who would I regard as my enemy or my enemies? And how can I earnestly pray for them? Who would I regard as my enemies? How can I earnestly pray for them? The gospel becomes more real and more powerful in our lives when we pray for our enemies. Why? Why is that? Because this is who we were before God. We were enemies of God, and yet God loved us. Jesus interceded for us. God changed us and blessed us and transformed us. And so who are we to then respond in the opposite way to those horizontally within our lives who we would regard as our enemies? It makes no sense in light of the gospel. So that was a what. All of this then leads to the next question. Why does Paul encourage Timothy to pray? Why does he encourage Timothy to pray? In other words, why does Paul encourage Timothy to pray in the manner and the measure of all that we've just spent time looking at? And Paul highlights two reasons for why it is we should pray and the way he encourages us to pray. Reason one, there is earthly benefit to praying in this way. There is earthly benefit to praying in this way. So when you give thanks and you pray for those around you, Without question, they will be blessed. And when they are blessed, you'll be blessed as well. Um, in the second part of verse 2, Paul says this. Pray like this, all that we've just looked at, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. So Paul sees a connection between the prayers that we pray for, for all people, about all sorts of different things, and the very fruit that we will experience within our lives. And I think deep down in our hearts, we would all tonight want to have lives that are characterized by tranquility, by quietness, by godliness, and by dignity. There's no one here in this room tonight who deep down does not want these things. We would all long to have these things in our lives. This kind of life is one that is pure, holy, peaceful, all because of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives and all because of the work of the Holy Spirit in the lives of those that we're praying for through prayer. And Paul wants us to see that when we pray in the way in which he leads and he has called us to pray, it's not just spiritually beneficial, there's earthly benefit as well. One of the things that uh, Pauline and I are so thankful for uh, is our neighbours, the street that we live in. And there's such a, there's a, a tangible sense of togetherness and community. And we had a, a birthday party for one of the kids uh, in the street yesterday after our community day. And we had just a great chance uh, to spend time with our neighbours. 
and to have good conversation. And if I'm honest, um, it's not something that was difficult to cultivate, but it is something that we have had to be intentional about. Uh, and more and more, Paul and I are realising that we have this responsibility to pray for our neighbours. And it's a win-win. When we pray, they will be blessed, and we will be blessed as they are blessed. Uh, Paul and I are convinced that the more and more we pray for our neighbours, the more and more the presence and the power of God will be at work in their life, and the more and more the presence and power of God will be at work in us as well, because we are praying in line who God's called us to be. So let me just encourage you tonight. As I said this morning, apply these words of Paul to Timothy when it comes to your neighbours, when it comes to your work colleagues, when it comes to your non-Christian friends, when it comes to the unbelievers you know and love. And pray that God would do what God wants to do in their lives for their good and for for his glory. C.S. Lewis uh, once said this, aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you will get neither. In other words, when we seek first the kingdom of God, then all these other things will be added unto us, including the earthly benefits of praying for other people. And don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Um, This is not a maths equation for us tonight. If you do this, then 100% promise this will then happen. There's plenty of persecuted believers who have prayed for others around them, including praying for their persecutors. (coughs) And the persecution their circumstances have actually gotten worse. What Paul is encouraging Timothy to do here instead is to fulfill the role that he's been called to do and to encourage others in that role as well. To be someone who, and to be a church who in their heart carries real and authentic prayer for others in light of a desire to fulfill the great command. And as Timothy and as the church fulfills that role, to then carry the hope that this in turn will result in good as God leads them through their life, in order that it may also result in a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. Either way, this promise will be fulfilled, either in this life or in the life to come. And Paul recognises that things will only get better for Timothy and others as they pursue God in this kind of prayer. This is what's going on. I've been so challenged uh, recently just about what I, I find my earthly contentment in. And the world uh, will give each one of us a thousand different options and more when it comes to what it is that we find fulfillment in. Uh, And Paul offers a completely different option for earthly fulfillment, one where we intentionally and lovingly pray for other people. And sometimes that's just hard to get our heads around, that we can find joy and satisfaction in Christ as we pray for other people. When you think about praying for other people, let's be honest, it feels like a bit of a chore sometimes to do that and yet Paul is saying this is of first importance and if it's of first importance then it's God's will and if it's God's will there's joy and satisfaction to be found in that so there's not just the earthly benefit it's the first reason of the why the second reason of the why is this reason number two there is eternal benefit to praying in this way eternal benefit to praying in this way have a look at what Paul says in verses 3 to 4. This is good and it pleases God our Saviour who wants everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. 
It's not just that we can benefit in some way here on earth when we pray for others for all sorts of different things. The reality is that God is also pleased with us. He delights in us when we're actively praying for others because his heart's desire is, as Paul prays, his heart's desire is for everyone to be saved. His heart's desire is for everyone to come to a knowledge of the truth. And I said this this morning, and it might just bypass some of us uh, tonight as well, and that's okay, that you can hold to a reformed position in your theological convictions and still believe this to be true. In the Bible, some, some of you absolutely no idea what I'm talking about, but it's in the Word of God. And Paul's point here is not how it is that God saves. That's a conversation for a different day. His point here is that when we pray for others, we are in fact tapping into God's eternal plan for our people and we're tapping into the promise and power of God for our own lives, all of which will have impact in heaven. It's not just about what's happening in this life. There's eternal benefit to prayer. We can never fully comprehend how our prayers have impact on the lives of others and how they have an impact on eternity. What we do know is that God moves in power. He moves in power when we pray. This is something uh, we've touched on already through this series. God's sovereignty and man's responsibility. They've never been enemies. They're close friends. They do not need to be reconciled. So we pray. We trust God. We know he has a perfect plan. We don't know how it all works out or even how our prayers are going to impact eternity. We don't see the effect of our prayers. But we do know that we're called to pray to seek his face as a means from which we can bless others. And when we do that, we're pleasing our Heavenly Father who desires all people to be saved. I honestly think if we grasp the magnitude of what it is that God does through the prayers of his saints, we would pray more. If, if we just think prayer is this minimal thing that doesn't have eternal impact, then most likely we won't pray. But if we truly are we, we are able in some way to grasp the magnitude of a, a prayerful saint, then that will have impact on eternity. And that will cause us here and now to pray more. We so often have this domesticated understanding of God and of the, the Christian person and of prayer. And may we just be open in our hearts and minds and with our eyes to see God has this amazing plan. And through his power, we can pray in mighty ways. So perhaps the question tonight is not, do you want to pray? Perhaps the question is, do you want to want to pray? Do you want to want to pray? And more and more, I'm longing to see a greater move of God within my own life and within the life of this church. Um, I want to see earth and eternity impacted. We had this, this blessed time yesterday at the community day. And it was great to have so many people from the community, people who we'd never met before. You know, we were thinking that, that a lot of the people we had connection with in July would come back. And there's still opportunity for us to make connection with them. But it was this brand new group of people who came along yesterday. And we could see that we, through our service, but also through the, our times of prayer beforehand, we could see the earthly impact that we were making by being this blessing. And a few people said, can we give you money for, for today? And they just couldn't comprehend in, in their hearts and minds why it is that we would do something like this. They were blessed 
in a very practical way. But God's also doing something else eternally. And it's, it's something that we continue to pray for. We pray until all that's happened yesterday. Uh, and we pray that God would continue to work in the hearts and minds of those we had contact with. So that's just one example. But as I look at all that God's doing within the life of this church, I would say I'm, I'm deeply discontent about my own life and about what's happening within this church. I'm thankful for all that God's doing, no question. But I want to see more. I want to see God move more. I want to be someone who more and more prays in such a way that moves the hand of God. We've seen it in scripture. We've seen it throughout church history. Can we not also follow in the footsteps of so many saints, so many brothers and sisters in Christ? Let me just say tonight, if you're the same, if you want to see God move more in your life, then don't miss out uh, on receiving prayer today. Uh, and during our, our worship time, uh, or after our service is finished, let me just invite you, if you, if you would like to receive prayer tonight, um, for anything that's going on within your life, and then do speak with us. If you need prayer for healing, and then do speak with us. And may this be a time tonight where we can meet with God in a very powerful way. I'm going to pray for Kirk as well. This is Kirk's final Sunday with us. He's going back to Ghana. And Kirk, we just want to say we're, we're so thankful for you and the blessing you have been to us within this church family. And we just want to pray God's blessing upon you as well as you go back uh, to your family, your actual family, but also your church family. And we know it's been a fruitful time for you. Um, and we're, we're excited for all that God has planned for you in Ghana, both in terms of secular employment and even within ministry as well. So thank you for, for being a part of this church family and we rejoice in all that God's doing within your life. So let's take a moment uh, to pray. Make sure you, you say bye to Kirk. Don't run away, Kirk. <laughs> Stay for a wee bit so we can we can say bye to you and, and even pray for you. Um, let's take a moment to give God thanks for all that He's doing within the life of this church, and we'll we'll give God thanks for Kirk as well. So let's pray. So Father, we we thank you that that you are a good and faithful God, and and that you 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 love us and you care for us. We thank you that we get to do this thing called church, uh, that we are a family together that you bless us in abundant ways. And we pray, Lord, that more and more we, we would be prayerful brothers and sisters in Christ, both individually and together. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would minister to us as we sing, as we respond in worship. And Lord, we just want to, to lift up our, our brother in Christ, eh, Kirk. Eh, we thank you for him. Lord, we thank you that he was baptized a few months ago and for the blessing that day was. And we thank you just for the encouragement he has been to us eh, on Sundays, missional communities, for all his faithful service in Ridry, for all the ways in which he has helped. Lord, we, we count it a privilege to have had him as part of his church family. We pray that you would bless him and his family. We pray that you would bless his church back, back in Ghana. And we pray that you would use Kirk in mighty and precious ways for your glory. We lift him up to you. We ask that you give him a safe journey. Uh, during the week and that he would travel back with joy in his heart as he re reunites uh, with, with family. So we commit him to you. We pray that you bless us now as we respond in worship. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you guys.